0: Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and turn to Genesis chapter 25, the book of Genesis chapter 25 in our Bibles this morning, or this afternoon, whatever it is. Um, we'll uh, get back to our study in Revelation, we have a couple of weeks left in that, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks, and we'll finish up, I'm looking forward to that. But... Um, Lord directed my heart and mind to this passage for this afternoon. It's a, an, an Old Testament Bible story and a lot of things that we can learn as we study the Word of God, and, and especially in the Old Testament, uh, as all of these things that were given in the Old Testament for, were for our benefit and for our learning. Um, years ago, and I think I might have shared this story with you before, but years ago when I was a boy... I can remember my younger brother Nathan coming upstairs, he'd been out with the dad, and um, dad, as he often would, would buy us a treat when we were with him. Uh, Looking back, I think he was probably bribing us to be with him, I don't know, I mean we always loved going with him, but he would buy us, I can remember getting a a Pepsi, you know, with the old glass bottle Pepsi, and sometimes it would be a Snickers candy bar or something like that, and we'd always enjoy that together. Mrs. Steinbach can attest there, my dad will even to this day stop by the office with a Snickers candy bar for me. So uh, it's kind of a long-standing thing. Well, anyway, um, that particular day, Nathan had been able to go with Dad, and he came home, and he came upstairs, and he had a Snickers candy bar, which happened to be my favorite candy bar in the whole wide world. And, uh, you know, Nathan, he liked something like Milky Way or something. You know, I mean, Snickers weren't his thing, Uh, but... He, I offered to to trade him something for it, and he held out. Nathan's quite quite frugal, and uh, and uh, anyway, so I offered more, and then finally I told him I didn't care anyway, and he could eat it himself. It didn't matter to me, and you know, and um, that'd be fine if he didn't want to share with me, and and it went on this went on for a while, and finally, you know, I just had to have that Snickers candy bar, and so. I began to offer him baseball cards that I had, and, uh, and I had a collection, it was a pretty good collection, and, and I remember two of my favorite baseball players at the time were Oral Hershiser and Kirk Gibson, and, uh, and I can remember I offered him a, a few different, and, uh, a, quite a variety of cards, and he would have nothing but the best that I can, cons- he knew what I liked and treasured the most, and he wanted what I treasured the most. For that candy bar. Well, there was no way I was going to do that. But the more that I thought about it and longed for that nutty goodness and satisfaction, the finally I broke down and I traded my Earl Hershiser and Kirk Gibson cards to my brother for a Snickers candy bar. And uh, he probably has them to this day. Knowing Nathan, they're somewhere in his stash. Uh, I've told this story before. I. Uh, Uh, Jared May actually gave me a Kirk Gibson card not long ago to help salve the wound that my brother. But I made a choice that day, and I do not have those cards to this day. I lost something that was valuable to me because in a moment of weakness, I valued a Snickers candy bar that was gone in about a minute and ten seconds. I valued that in a time, in a moment of time, my perspective was Snickers was more valuable than Oral Hersheiser and Kirk Gibson, and I gave up something that meant a lot to me for something that really was worthless. And uh, so I want to I ponder a passage in Genesis chapter 25. We're not going to be long, but I want us to think through it because all of us face decisions. We all do. And most of us aren't going to face that decision this week. You know, that's probably not the decision that Mr. Jex is going to face this week. Mrs. Jex is probably not going to hold out for his Oral Herschiser and Kirk Gibson baseball cards. But you know what, we all make decisions excuse me, decisions, and I wanna look at some principles that could have changed my decision if I had implemented them. And um, and it they can be a help to you as well. Look at Genesis chapter twenty-five. I'll begin reading in verse number twenty four. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 24. And I'm going to read down through verse number 34. So so 10 verses here. It says, And when her, that's Rebecca, when her days to be delivered were were fulfilled, uh, so she was ready to give birth to some twins, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over, like an hairy garment. And that's one of those times where we look at them and go, Oh, And what do they mean by that when they look at your baby and go, oh, you really don't know. You really don't know. They could mean a lot of things by that, and that probably would have been the response to this hairy child. Now, anyway, uh, hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. Anybody know what Esau means, the name Esau? Edom means red. His name would be changed to Edom, which means red. But Esau means hairy. You know, it's always fitting. Do you, do you mind if I call him Harry as I read down through the passage? Should I? I, I shouldn't do that. All right, but that's what it means. It means Harry. Uh, verse twenty-six. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Her, uh, Esau's heel, and his uh, and his name was called Jacob, uh, which means supplanter, it has the idea of deceiver. And Isaac was sixty; he was three score years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. That's a problem. Mom and dad, that should never be the case. Uh, Where dad loves one and mom loves another, that just can't be the case. Um, And even though all of our children are different, and you're going to see likenesses, and dislikenesses, and uh, we ought to love them uh, all uh, equally as that's possible. All right. And so, uh, verse number 29. And Jacob sod pottage. Uh, he's talking about, he's kind of making a soup, uh, fitting for today, I think. Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Now, that's a statement of fact. He was faint, he was tired, he was exhausted. Beware of making big decisions when you're exhausted. Verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with this that same red pottage. Pottage has the idea of beans. Red. Uh, it's probably had some meat in it. We, I don't think this is a biblical... This is not a biblical sermon on chili, okay? Although I thought about some uh, creative titles for it. Um, by the way, we are going to... Started an investigation into the winner of this chili cook off this year because I'm not sure if the church can withstand one year of Scott Pagan as champion. All right, so we're gonna, gonna work on this. This is gonna be a long year of trials. Uh, and Jacob said, sell me, this, uh, sell, sell me this day thy birthright. So Esau comes in in verse 30 and he says, I want what you have, I want this red podge, this red soup. And Jacob says, I'll give you what you want, but you're going to sell me. You're going to give me your birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. Now, I don't think that was accurate. I think that was in his head, but the Bible said he was faint. It didn't say he was at the point of death. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And thus Esau despised, he disesteemed, he devalued his birthright. He gave up something that had tremendous value for something that only satisfied for a time, for a time. And every one of us, no matter how old we are, even if we're uh, in uh, elementary school or junior high or high school or college or middle age, whatever that means, an older age. um, Every one of us are faced with decisions. Every week we're faced with decisions. Sometimes it's interpersonal, interrelational decisions in in our homes with our spouses or our children or at work or in the church, or their financial decisions, right? We're buying this, selling this, and we need wisdom to make right choices that honor God. Let's pray, and then we'll look at this passage just briefly. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Help us, I pray, as we look at this story from the Old Testament of two brothers who really made some poor choices. God, I pray that you guide us, direct us by your word, and I pray that I know that you'll be honored as we honor your word. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, right, right choices, and that's what we're after. We want that for our children. We want that in our own lives. Right choices are pr- a product of having a right perspective, being able to see the situation clearly, or um, the purchase clearly, the, the pros and cons. Right choices are a product of having a right perspective and having right priorities. If you and I can have a right perspective, if we can value the right things, um, and right perspective leads to right priorities, if we have right perspective and right priorities, it will always lead to right choices. We make wrong choices in our lives most of the time when, and almost all of the time, when our perspective is wrong. Uh, We value the wrong things. And my decision was a very good illustration of that. Uh, At the moment, I valued the Snickers candy bar. This is, I have to have it. Well, did I have to have it? Would I have been okay without it? Would I have survived? Probably. I probably would have made it. And Esau does the same thing. He looks at Jacob and he says, I have to have what you have. And I'm not satisfied without it. Wrong perspective leads to wrong priorities. And it always leads to wrong decisions wrong choices. Uh, first of all, we must have right, a right perspective. Look again at verse number 29. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Now again, that he was faint it's a statement of fact. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Now he's still speaking honestly there. Therefore was his name called Edom, which means red. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? Now, he makes a couple of statements there that are not true. Um, again, a right perspective gives clarity. A wrong perspective always leads to wrong priorities, wrong choices. How is it that we can have a right perspective on life? That's, that is the real question right there. Uh, I appreciated the song that we sang that we learned today, This afternoon. Uh, teach me thy word. Because that is the answer right there. If you, and I want to have, if you and I want to make right choices that honor God, right choices where we don't have to live with consequences that are horrendous, if we want to make choices that don't lead to fallout and destruction and heartache and grief, and none of us want that, it is very important that we're, our thoughts are calibrated by the word of God. It really is the key. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You could apply that to any part of life. Child re- rearing, purchasing a vehicle, purchasing a home, setting a diet. I mean, you could, pur- you could apply the word of God will give you is a lamp and it's light and it will give you clarity on how to live life in every single circumstance of life. Now, both of these men in, our, in the story, Esau and Jacob, had, had grown by this point. They're young men when this decision is made. It's, uh, there's a famine going on in the land. Uh, chapter 26 seems to indicate that. It already begun. So Esau is not living in an easy uh, time period. Okay, I want, I want you to know that because I can tell the story and we can say, Esau, what's wrong with you? Why, why'd you make such a poor decision? It's easy always to look back at the Old Testament saints, isn't it, and be like, what were you thinking? Um, but then we could probably look at ourselves and say that a few times. And if we've lived for any length of time, we can say that. Um, so Esau, he's the kind of guy who's on the move. He's living off the land, he's a hunter. But you can imagine. If it's has anything, this famine has been going on for any time at all. He's probably not finding food. He's returning home. He's exhausted. And again, I—that's I, uh, obvious from the text—that he was exhausted. And again, I encourage you. And this is just real practical. Try to avoid making big time decisions when you're exhausted. Okay. Um, by the way, that be there's application there for your marriage. Um, there's application there for interpersonal relationships when you're parenting your children, and there's a situation that's that's come up. And it needs to be addressed when you're dog-tired at the end of the day and, frankly, should have already turned in for the night. That's not the time to, to light the fire, light the fuse, okay? That's not the time to get into the big conversation, to hash it out. So be careful when you're exhausted. So Esau's perspective has influenced, uh, influenced greatly the decision that he makes. Uh, notice, and I've read this, I'll just highlight it, He he uses the term "I am faint." The word "faint" means to be famished, to be exhausted, to be weary. Okay, Uh, he's tired. You and I get tired sometimes. You say, "I'm tired right now." Uh, We get tired sometimes. You know, we we get tired of battles. We get tired of standing for things, don't we? I mean, you just get tired. Um, Sometimes it's a physical exhaustion. Sometimes it's an emotional exhaustion. Um, Esau was tired. And he really thought to himself at this point when he's so tired, he thought, began to think of himself as hopeless. I don't have any hope. Th- th- this isn't going to work out. It's not going to be okay. I I, just, I I need something. And you know what? The birthright meant a lot to me as the firstborn. But you know what? That doesn't mean anything to me if I die. He's starting to think wrong thoughts. And his perspective, I'm faint, I'm helpless, and I'm hopeless, I'm at the point to die, um, actually determine the decision that he's going to make. In some situations, it's almost a foregone conclusion. If you and I allow ourselves to get to the point where we have a wrong perspective, we begin to have wrong priorities, it is almost a guaranteed fact fact. You will make the wrong choice. You will make. The wrong choice. You're not going to make the right choice. Wrong perspectives. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. Now, there's elements of truth here, but it's kind of morphed into a bit of a lie. The reality is, for you and I as believers, is we do have help, and we do have hope. I'm going to read just a couple of scriptures to you, and just let them wash over you this, this afternoon. Isaiah 40 and verse 28 says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching for his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know, you and I, at times in our lives where we... Feel faint, we feel weary, we feel exhausted. Be encouraged today because the Bible says that God helps fainters. God's in the fainter helping business. You and I need to know this when we are most tired and most exhausted, and maybe it's not a physical exhaustion, it's an emotional struggle, it's a battle. Know this at that time, God is right there ready to help you when you're faint. Very important. Psalm one twenty one verses one and two Psalmist David says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. First uh, Thessalonians five twenty four says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So we have help. Also want to notice that we have hope. Jeremiah seventeen seven says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. God is my hope. God is my help. We have hope when we're faced with impossible situations. Philippians, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We have hope when we're faced with temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So we need to have the right perspective. We have help and we have hope for impossible situations, for temptations, and even when we're discouraged. You know, sometimes discouragement comes, and it comes in different forms, doesn't it? It can come. Discouragement can come when normally it comes when we can't get past something. Uh, Almost always, discouragement comes at that point when you're up against something. It's a challenge. It started out as no big deal. It's grown. It's gotten bigger. and all of a sudden, it's like a monster. You can't get around it. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. Can't go. It's just blocking your path. It's easy to become discouraged, but we have help and we have hope. Um, sometimes discouragement comes when we think about our past. Don't let Satan beat you with things of the past. If you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've been forgiven. I've been forgiven of every sin, past, present, and future. And that is the tremendous beauty of Christianity in the Word of God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other religion, do you know this? There is no other religion on the face of the earth that offers forgiveness full and free. None. It's all, well, you, this one you got to work, or this you got to do this, or this you got to make up for it this way, or maybe and for some it's Well, after you die and you come back and you get to try it again as a bug or uh, an animal or something, and maybe that time it'll work out for you. You understand that. There is no religion on the face of the earth that offers forgiveness, full and free, and restoration like Christianity. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. So right choices are produced by a right perspective. You have help and you have hope, and that is the Lord. Esau had the wrong perspective. His wrong perspective led him to a wrong priority. A wrong valuation. Valuation. Uh, look at verse number 32, the latter part, and there's a couple of verses here that you see his wrong priority. What became a priority him? It was the wrong one. The end of verse number 32, he says, And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Now, I understand what he's saying here. He's saying, If I die, this birthright's not going to profit me at all. The thing was, the, it was a bit of a It was a bit of an exaggeration, and and I would even say it was a downright lie that he was at the point of death. He wasn't. God said, God records, he was faint. That's true. Might he have passed out? Yes, he might have. But he wasn't at the point of death. But because he has a wrong perspective, now he has a wrong priority. Now he's looking at something that has incredible value to him in a birthright, and he's saying, what profit does this birthright have to me? Look at the next verse, verse number 33, the latter part. Uh, We see his decision. He sold his birthright unto Jacob. And then look at the end of verse number 34. The Bible actually records for us that Esau despised his birthright. He disesteemed it. He looked at it and basically said, this is worthless to me. It's not important. It doesn't have value. And you know what? You and I, in our lives, there are a lot of things that we have that have value. And I'm not necessarily talking about the things that are in the garage, or the tools, or the vehicle, or the land, or the house, or whatever those material things. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about some of the things that we've looked at, the riches that we have in Christ in Ephesians, in our study on on Sunday mornings. Um, Having been chosen by God. having, having Having been indwelt by the Spirit of God. Having the opportunity, a calling... To minister to the body of Christ for the unity of the, we have tremendous. There are tremendous valuable things, spiritual things that God has given to us. The only, can I say this? The only thing that meant more to Esau. Esau was was very much about himself. What he and his well being and his satisfaction were at the top of his priority chart. Okay, me, 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 me. That was Esau at this point in his life. But I'm not throwing him under the bus here. He was faint. He was hard. It was a hard time. But from Esau's perspective, it was all about him. Sometimes you and I face hardship, and it's not all about us, and we turn it into something that's all about us. Um, and maybe it comes out like this. You know what? I shouldn't have to put up with this. I deserve better than this. It had nothing to do with you. It has to do with somebody else, but now you're Sometimes we turn it into all about us. And, and for Esau, it was all about himself. But here's the thing the only thing that mattered more to Esau than himself in the future was himself right now in the moment. And he's consumed, he's consumed with himself. And, and so beans at this moment in Esau's life meant everything to him chili. Uh, that's what it is, I'm not going to call it chili. Uh, however, it's red has meat and beans. You call it whatever you want. Okay, uh, beans at the moment mean everything to Esau. Pottage, beans. Uh, his birthright meant nothing to him. In, in the ancient culture, in the Middle Eastern culture, the custom was that the eldest in the home, the eldest son in the home, would have a birthright, and it meant that the firstborn got the lion's share of the of his father's estate when he died. He was to have dominion over his brethren. He was to enjoy a double portion of everything that his father owned. The tents, the flocks, the herds, there were spiritual blessings as well. But Esau cared more about the here and now than he did about the future. You know that it's unwise to live life that way? It really is. It's unwise to live life that way. I'm going to live for today because tomorrow I die. Um, In the physical realm, it's unwise. But it's also unwise in the spiritual realm. Beans meant really everything to Esau, but they they really only represent in the story the temporary things of the world. Matthew warns us not to lay up for ourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Now, the beans represent the temporary fleshly pleasure. First John, and John talks about that in 1 John chapter 2. He says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, the pleasure of sin is temporary. And it it vanishes away. But what we could have had, instead of the pleasure of sin for a small season, is eternal. I remember Pastor Scott saying this when I was a teenager, and I don't know where it came from, but it says, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want to pay, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. But I have to have it. I have to buy it. I want it. I'm not going to be happy unless I have it. I, I can't have, the Lord cannot provide me with contentment in my situation. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. No, no. You don't have to have it. We don't have to have it. Beans were the temporary represent the temporary things of the world. The birthright represents the eternal, the eternal blessing. Uh, salvation that you and I have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Peter talked about it in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. This is how he's talking. These are words about you and me. An holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, Esau's wrong perspective long to, led to wrong priorities, led to wrong choices, And the Bible records for us how, and look over to chapter 27, if you would. It records for us how there came a point in Esau's life where he regretted his decision. And by the way, have you ever bought something you regretted? I have. About not biting. But but look here at Genesis 27, just real quick, verses 16 and 17. Nope, excuse me, verses 34. Verse 34. 27 verse 34 says this. In verse, in, excuse me, verse 34, it says, and when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great, a great and exceeding bitter cry can imagine what that would have been like, a full-grown man, and said unto his father, "'Bless me, even even me also, my father.'" Now, Isaac's already blessed Jacob. He's given Jacob the blessing that belonged to Esau. Verse 35, "'And he said, "'Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, "'Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, "'Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me?' And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine I have sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Don't you have one for me? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above. Not much of a blessing. Verse 40, And by the sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass that when thou shalt have dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Notice verse 41, the beginning part. And Esau hated Jacob. But here in that passage, what do we have? We have Esau literally weeping aloud. Hebrews records it this way. He sought it carefully with tears, but he had lost it. As God's people, let's not follow the example of Esau. Let's not have the right perspective. I have everything that I need, contentment. I can trust what God has done. Right perspective, we can have right priorities, and we can make right choices. Proverbs six twenty three says, "For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The way of life. Let's live our lives that way." Um, I'm going to close in prayer for just